Hi, I'm Mel Majoros. I am a three-year cancer survivor. My blog, The Cancer Warrior, is one of the top ten breast cancer blogs according to blogs.com. I'm here to bring a fresh, upbeat perspective to a topic that to some may seem scary. A positive mental attitude got me through my cancer, and I hope to share that with you. Today we're talking to Johnny Immerman. He's the founder of Immerman's Angels, and I've been trying to get him on the show for a long, long time. How are you today, Johnny? Hello, Mel. <laughs> Doing great. Thank you so much. I'm so flattered to be here. Yes. Yeah, so... So why have you been ignoring me? No, I'm just kidding. Can you? Uh... <laughs> Never. We're never ignoring you. I know. Um, tell me how you found out you had cancer. Let's start for from sure. I was diagnosed when I had 20, was 26 years old. Wow. Um, I'm 35 now. I was 26, and it was one of those crazy things that um, I was out with a bunch of friends one night. Felt great. Was going to the gym, you know, three, four times a week. Healthy guy. Ate healthy. Just not thinking about cancer, of course, mm-hmm. as, as any of us are in the 20s. And all of a sudden, I had pain that was direct. Directly in the testicle, it flipped on like a light switch. Felt like a knife had literally stabbed me right in the testicle. And I know oh. for the women out there, it's tough to exactly know exactly what that means. But for the guys, <laughs> I know they understand. And I it flipped. It was like literally doubled over and couldn't even walk straight. And of course, drove right to the hospital. But the key for people to know is it's testicular cancer. Is that most people do not feel pain. Ten really? percent do feel pain. So one in ten feel pain, nine nine in ten do not. I was that one in ten, which was very lucky because it alerted me there was a problem, and I did something about it. But I had tumors that already spread from my testicle up into my pelvis and stomach, and had I known what to look for to check my testicles every two weeks like I should be doing, uh, I would have felt something to find it earlier. And everybody knows if we find these cancers earlier, more people live. Exactly. Wow. So did you did you feel a lump at all or was there just pain? I didn't feel a lump. I mean, once the, once I had the pain and I went to the doctor and we started getting underway, the doctor said, do you feel this? This is cancerous. Then I could feel it, but I, oh. I just didn't notice it. So the key is we want to educate people, which is I'm glad you're having us on here because yes. we want to educate people that, you know, you, what you should be checking for with the testicles or is that one testicle is bigger and harder than mm-hmm. the other one. If you feel that, if it's a difference between the two, then then you should go in and get checked. They should be symmetrical. They should be the same. Both tissues, the testicles should be soft and fleshy. And if you feel a bump on one, you know, it could be uh, a cancerous tumor growing. And it is the second fastest growing cancer. So you want to jump on it right away. Wow, I didn't know it was the second fastest growing cancer. Yeah, overall, it's a quick one. It's very treatable if you get it early, but that's the key. You've got to go in early to make sure you take care of it. So what kind of uh, treatment did they give you? Obviously, they removed the testicle. Right. The first step is they cut the testicle out. That's mm-hmm. step one. And then step two, you go in and you bank sperm. There's a good chance you can't have kids naturally. Mm-hmm. Um, so you do that to protect yourself and have kids later. And then step three is you go right into chemo. I had five months of chemo, um, bleomycin, uh, etoposide, cisplatin were my drugs. And I beat it. was clean for just about a year at 27. And then at 28, I had four tumors that came back behind my kidneys. Oh, no. So I had to go back in through my stomach, actually, 11-inch vertical surgery up and down. And they moved my stomach and my liver and my kidneys and my intestines completely out of the body, cut the four tumors out of the back, put all the organs right back in. And um, and then about 80 staples or so up and down. 
and it was about a six-hour surgery, but I'm totally fine. You know, I'm back to running marathons. Not that I'm fast running, <laughs> but back up and running again as many survivors do. You know, they get back in the gym. We hold jobs. We date again. We're oh, yes. normal. I mean, all the positives. Well, um, as normal as we were before cancer, anyway. Yes, <laughs> relatively. <laughs> it's all relative, Mel. Exactly. It's all relative. They took everything out of you? That is- yeah. Isn't that crazy? Did they tell you that beforehand? Because that's not the kind of thing I'd want them to tell me. By the way, we removed everything. They then- said they're going to have to dig around a lot. I don't know how many details I got before, but I will tell you about afterwards. <laughs> I got all the details because um, a friend of mine uh, from high school was the mm-hmm. assistant anesthesiologist in on my surgery, just ironically. So afterwards, he told me, and he uh-huh. said to me, he goes, Johnny, he goes, I was standing above you looking in you, and I could see your spine from on top of you. He's like, you were totally hollow. Wow, that's that's something I'd never want anyone to say to me. That is crazy, right? <laughs> that's not something you'd expect to see exactly right. No. But uh, fortunately, it worked, and I had a great surgeon, Dr. Pontus, who's uh, downstate at Kermanoff Cancer Institute in mm-hmm. Detroit. So I grew up in Detroit area, and now we're out in Chicago with Emmerman Angels. But, yes. but it all started uh, through the you know, cancer experience and all that back in Carmanos and University of Michigan Cancer Center. I was treated at both. So did you get their... Uh, Fake testicle or whatever they call it. Great. Prosthetic, prosthetic. Uh, testicle. Great question. Yes. You know, it's interesting. I chose not to get the prosthetic testicle, and I'm very glad I made that decision. You know, as a 26-year-old, I kind of was, I was comfortable in my body. I'd mm-hmm. been in relationships before. You know, I knew that um, it just wasn't as important. I knew girls weren't that interested in the testicles anyway. Right. Because it's not I the just, sexy part when you think about a guy. Right, right. <laughs> girls aren't dreaming about testicles, not thinking about it. For them, less is more. We all know that, right? <laughs> exactly. And so I learned, you know, I was old enough to know that. Um, but what we do find, so I was very happy with my choice not right. to get the prosthetic testicle, and I still have just one today. My right testicle is still there. Um, and the body adapts, and this, actually the testosterone levels are readjust. It's amazing. I don't do anything differently. I don't take any pills or any testosterone. You know, the body adjusts with the one testicle. I'm fine. Everything feels the same. It is the same, other than you can feel one instead of two. Um, but what I have found through what we do with Emmerman Angels and our yes. one-on-one peer mentoring program is that the younger people that get testicular cancer, the 15-year-olds, the 16-year-olds, the 17-year-olds, they tend to get the prosthetic testicle because they're young right. and they, they, they really aren't as comfortable with their bodies yet. Mm-hmm. And they really don't realize that women aren't interested in that. <laughs> I've had a 15-year-old say to me on the phone many times, you know, I'll never have a girlfriend again. No girl will ever want to, you know, be with me because I only have one testicle instead of two. And I have to sit this kid down and listen. <laughs> let, me, let me tell you something. Only because I'm a little older and a little more experienced than you, and I just know a little more. But I promise you, you know, get the prosthetic testicle if you want it. It makes you exactly. happier. But if it don't do it for someone else because, trust me, a girl will not care about that. Exactly. So, now, are you able to uh, produce sperm or no? Yeah, with the one testicle, okay. I definitely am. In fact, interesting, uh, interestingly enough, your body adapts. So when your sperm count goes from 100% down to 50, of course, when you cut a testicle out, right. within a few months, the one testicle, you do have doubles production. Really? Automatically. So it goes right back from 50% to 100%. So I have the same amount in one testicle than the average guy has in two. <laughs> so it's amazing, right? The body knows like what the sperm count should be. Now, after chemo, though, there is damage to the testicle because right. of the chemo. Right. So oftentimes, 
the the sperm cells are, are damaged or you're you're unable to have you know to have fertile sperm cells, but they're there, which is amazing, right? Right, exactly, and that's and that's why you uh, saved your sperm beforehand because you weren't sure. Exactly, you do it beforehand because you're not sure if you're going to be able to have kids or not naturally. Exactly, so you freeze them. It's very easy, you know. You go in and you freeze them and. And then they sit in a little, <laughs> wherever they sit, <laughs> in a frozen tank, and you pay, you know, a few hundred bucks a year to keep them. But um, that's your plan B. Exactly. Unfortunately, with, with men, you know, with men, young adult male survivors, it's a little bit easier. Um, it's women, it's getting better for the girls, um, but it's trickier, of course. I mean, they're right. starting to take an ovary out before, let's say, cervical cancer or uterine cancer or ovarian cancer. At a young age, a woman, let's say, in her 20s, they'll take the ovary out and they're freezing tissue, like a chunk of the tissue, and then later going back in and trying to reimplant it and produce eggs. It's amazing. That's wow. the research they're actually working at right down the street from us, 10 blocks at Northwestern. Um, in fact, Mel, you and I are both going to be at OMG. Yes, we are. Yes, and so will um, she be there as well. Um, oh, I'm blanking on Tamika? her name. Um, Tamika will be there too mm-hmm. as well. But um, Teresa Woodruff, thank you. Okay. Teresa Woodruff is amazing, and she is the leading researcher for oncofertility, just meaning young people with cancer and fertility issues in the world. Oh, awesome. Um, as far as we know, she got a huge grant from the NCI, and she's doing really all the cutting-edge research right here at Northwestern in Chicago. Amazing woman, and she'll be there. She spoke last year, and she'll be there again this year. Awesome. So before we uh, get into OMG, tell me how you went from uh, testicular cancer survivor to Emmerman Angels and cancer rock star. For sure. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> thank you. I appreciate that. Well, I'm, I'm a playing a great team, fortunately. <laughs> you know, I've got a lot of great survivors around me. Yes. And uh, we all believe that we can change the cancer world together. And that's exactly how it's going to happen. But how did it how did it start? I yeah. mean, you must have had a vision. In your yeah, mind. you know, I I really knew when I went through cancer, mile at twenty six. You know, I had the best mom in the world. Mm-hmm. She was there every minute, every chemo. My friends were great. My doctors were great. I had a lot of love and support from family and from friends. But there was one missing puzzle piece, and that puzzle piece was I couldn't find another young adult. Right. It was a guy. Mm-hmm. who was an athlete who could look me square in the face and say, "Look, buddy, three years ago I was in your chair, and three years ago I beat your." cancer. Right. I get it. And that's exactly what I was looking for, was another guy just like me to say, okay, this is what sperm banking is all about. <laughs> and this is what having a testicle is all about, cut out of you. And this is what, you know, these surgeries are about and chemo, this is how it feels. And these are some tips that I did along the way to feel better or get rid of that bad taste in your mouth. Mm-hmm. Just a friendship from a peer who was farther down the same road I was going on teaching me what's ahead. And so I noticed that right away, that I wish I had someone, and I didn't know any young people that had cancer until it was over. And when it was over, I knew I wanted to be that for someone else because I knew I wasn't the only one who had that need. So I started going into the clinic, which was Carmano's Cancer Center and University of Michigan, but mostly Carmano's in the beginning. And I went down there, and I knew all the nurses. And I would say to the nurses, you know, who here is young, kind of like me, who's got cancer, who's in the middle of their fight? I'd love to motivate them and be a buddy for them. And they would say, Johnny, patient room six, we've got this young guy, Mike. He's 24 you know, 25 or 26 or whatever, and he's fighting leukemia, you know, you should really go talk to this kid. He's totally depressed and alone. 
And I would just start walking into that room and say, hey, buddy, what's up, Mike? I'm Johnny. <laughs> you know, what kind of cancer do you have? I have just, I just beat testicular cancer. What kind of chemos? And mm-hmm. before you knew it, we started sharing war stories and awesome. talking about side effects and treatments and losing hair and, you know, prednisone and all the stuff that's involved, that a language that two people with everything in common both speak. It's an amazing friendship, amazing connection. And so... Over time, I realized I could do this and maybe five or six kids a week I could talk to after work or on a Saturday. But better than that, we had to scale it. And that's really when Emmerman Angels started taking shape and taking form was when I started reaching out to other survivors and telling my nurses and telling my oncologists, you know, if you know other survivors that want to mentor and help other people, send them to me. Mm-hmm. And I built a database. And one at a time, we went from five survivors to 15 to to 25 to 50, hundreds. Wow. And today we're almost 4,000 cancer survivors strong. And what we do every day is we as survivors get matched up one-on-one. So we're all in this network, this pool of 4,000 survivors. And every day, each one of us gets matched one-on-one to somebody out there, maybe in New Mexico, maybe in Tulsa, maybe in Miami, Florida, who's fighting the exact same cancer from the same shared experience, one-to-one. I I know, because it's hard, um, like you said, Growing up here, well, I didn't grow up here, but I mean, uh, getting treated here in a small town, there aren't a lot of people, young people with breast cancer or any any young people, actually. And, you know, I'm sure in Chicago and well, lower Michigan, it's the same. It was the same thing for you. Yes. You know, even in uh, right Detroit area, which is a, a, you know, a decent sized city and and still could not find any young people with cancer. They just wore around. And, um, but it could be someone with a rare cancer that's isolated, or it could right. be someone with a common cancer, even breast cancer, who just doesn't have another friend like them who's done the same thing. Our goal is to take a top-down approach, look at everybody involved, and say, these two people, these two dots should be connected. So essentially, again, Emmerman Angels is a one-on-one peer mentoring program. So if you're diagnosed with cancer, any age, any cancer, anywhere in the world, you can call us for free. We're going to partner you, introduce you to a big brother or big sister, someone who beat your cancer and says, been there, done that, beat it. You know, here's what you should know along the way. I'm going to help you. And together, we're going to get you to that finish line because I've already crossed it. It's there. Exactly. And I know when I was diagnosed, it seemed like everybody knew somebody who had breast cancer, but they were all older, which, you know, is fine. But I didn't feel that they were very relatable to me. Exactly right. You know, it's there's different issues when you're in 20s and 30s mm-hmm. and you're dealing with fertility issues. You're just not when you're in your 70s. You know, right. it's just different issues. Having kids um, is different. You want to talk about sex issues with someone who's like your Nana. Right. Right. That is for sure. That is for sure. And, you know, most kids in the 20s, you know, a guy that's going to have his testicle cut out most likely isn't going to tell his mom everything that he's thinking or his concerns about having sex and all the little things that that he's worried about or banking sperm. And it may just be tougher. But to talk to a peer who's a guy who's like, man, don't even don't even hesitate with me because I've already been down this road before. I know what you're feeling. Like, it's cool. That's, I think, the amazing connection behind the peer-to-peer apples to apples and, and like-to-like matching. And I think a lot of survivors don't realize that pretty much, no, well, no matter what cancer you're having, we've all pretty much faced the same issues. Yes. You know, there's so much in common. We mm-hmm. A lot of the issues, a lot of the fears, um, a lot of the family life strains that go on when you're raising kids. Yep. 
Yeah, and survivorships or dating, mm -hmm. whether you've had a mastectomy or whether you lost a testicle, you've had brain cancer surgery. I mean, they're major issues. When do I bring this up in dating? How early, if at all? You know, if you've had side effects or lost a limb and you have a prosthetic leg, um, how to handle that? How to, and, I, and no one should have to like figure that out as they go. No. You know, if you can talk to someone who's five, six years ahead of you who's already had that same surgery and had those same side effects and says, you know what, I know more than you because I'm I'm just been I've been doing this longer. You know, let's share information, let me help you. I mean that's how we think we're gonna make it so much better for the guys that are in the fight today. So nobody feels alone. Exactly. And you know, I I think I don't know if I knew about your organization because I Surprisingly, as you know, I'm a Facebook junkie, and I didn't know much about Facebook or Twitter uh, when I was going through. And I think having Immerman Angels would be would have been perfect for me because, you know, I don't like the whole in-person group thing. And like I said, a couple people gave me some older people's phone numbers, and it was just like kind of awkward. Yeah, yeah, you know, right. and you're just not even <laughs> sure whether you want to call or not. Yeah, it's like oh well, she, well, she had breast cancer. You know, it's like all of a sudden, it's like you know. Everyone who had breast cancer is now your sister. I'm like, right. this doesn't really work that way. Right. Know? No, no, it doesn't. It doesn't. And, and you know, the, I think the beautiful part about Immerman Angels is all these survivors yes. realize that they have an amazing story. They mm -hmm. realize that they can be a match for somebody diagnosed with the same thing who's the same age. And so they come to us, and all they want to do is help. And these are the survivors that really want to give back. I mean, they wouldn't join us and be an angel in our network unless they were fired up to do it. And they get no reward other than the satisfaction of knowing that they can help people and make a difference, and uh, and then share or share everything they know. Uh, How awesome is that? Fight. I said that's just awesome. Yeah, yeah, we love what we do, and so I mean, if anyone's listening out there who is a survivor mm -hmm. who wants to give back, please call us. You know, it's www.immermanangels.org, which is I M E R M A N angels.org or 866-IMMERMAN, I-M-E-R-M-A-N, toll-free call. But you can join us. Um, you can sign up online if you go online. Or if you know someone that's sick or you are sick with any cancer mm -hmm. and looking to reach a survivor like you, you know, with the largest network in the world of cancer survivors that we know, you know, please reach out and meet one of our survivors. We'd love to help you. That's why we built this thing in the first place. Awesome. Yeah, I know some people who could use your help, but it's, I think it's hard taking that first step. Yes. The first step is a tough one. And what we hope is that people out there who might be listening who are fighting cancer um, or a family member telling someone um, in their family who's going through cancer that maybe they want to reach out, you know, that you're, you're, you're going to call here and you're one of our survivors here in the office who's already a survivor is going to get to know you, hear your story, sort of cancer person to cancer person, and then match you with another person that's identical to you who beat your cancer. So they're all people who understand. You know, they're all people who've been there, and they're just farther down the road. But reaching out is tough. I do understand and respect that, especially in the beginning when there's a lot of information and it's overwhelming. But I really believe that a survivor as a guide early and oh, early yeah. on is such a difference to help you filter all the information, navigate through all this, and keep strong when you just feel like you're having a rough day and you're losing hope. You know, survivors are hope. 
I agree. And and I always tell other survivors, it's like, you know what, if you don't talk to me, talk to somebody. Yep, you know, if they're, not part of, if they're not part of Emmerman Angels, you know. Yep, yep, exactly right. I think the worst thing we can do is bottle it in mm-hmm. and not talk about it and not want to let it out because it's stressful and it's scary. And anyone out there listening who feels that way, you're normal. I yes. know, Mel, you and I, we all feel that <laughs> yes. way. You get scared, you're going for your first day chemo. Who's not scared? Everybody is. You know, it's going to be a high-anxiety day. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, um, it's, it's, that's why the survivors are here to take out those unknowns and answer some questions about what your first day of chemo really might be like so you don't have to walk in blind wondering what's going to happen to me. Right, exactly. So now you, you've founded Emmerman Angels, so what else is going on? I know you have, we have OMG coming up, but what else do you have coming up for Emmerman Angels? Because I always get the emails that you guys have a lot of charity events going on. Thank you for following them too, Mal. We do. We've had a fun, <laughs> uh, a lot of fun events in Chicago. We just had one on yes. Friday. Uh, we had about 350 people. Uh, a bunch of survivors came out, which was great. Um, the events are great. They bring survivors together. They bring caregivers together. You know, mm-hmm. Another part of our service yes. is we match a caregiver, let's oh, say a husband perfect. with another husband. They both have wives going through cancer. You hook up the two husbands. Or even another example of the parents. Mm-hmm. Let's say a mom and dad are 35 and they have a five year old with leukemia that just got diagnosed. I want to match those parents with another set of parents that can say my kid's 10 years old, but when she was five, she had the same thing. And she beat that leukemia and her hair grew back after chemo and she looks great. She's normal. She has friends. You know, it's all going to be okay. You know, the one set of parents can help another set of parents navigate when it's so new and how to speak the language and what questions to ask. Just so much to offer from one family who's been down that road before. Those families should know each other. Mm-hmm. Um, but the events are great because it brings those caregivers together. It brings the fighters together, the survivors. You know, people can come and meet each other. But you don't have to be touched by cancer to come. Um, well, how can you not be touched by cancer? I know. Everybody <laughs> is touched by it. You know what? You're right. exactly right. Everybody is touched by it in some way. Everybody knows someone. Right, unfortunately. Unfortunately. Unfortunately, you're right. And that's why I can't thank you enough, Mel, because every time we get the word out and raise awareness, somebody exactly. out there is alone and somebody's isolated mm-hmm. and scared. And this is an opportunity to reach them so they know for free they can call Emmerman Angels and Absolutely. find someone like them who just sincerely wants to help out and make a difference. Because you're never alone. I mean, I actually was talking to someone who used to work for a major cancer organization and she was feeling just very lost and just, you know, when you feel just really depressed and you just want to crawl inside yourself. And I was like, yeah, I I felt like that too. And she's like, what, really? I said, yeah, we kind of all do. And it was just amazing to her that other people felt the way she did. And it's like, yes, you know, you're not alone. There's, you know, Johnny's here to help you. All you got to do is ask. All you got to do is reach out. (laughs) Exactly right. Like we're here. We're ready to help. We got a team. This team of 4,000 survivors every year about doubles. So we're thinking maybe next year we could have at this rate about about 8,000 survivors. But as more and more survivors join the network and get involved and get registered, um, we're that much better at the friendships that we make because the pool's bigger. We can find identical matches for people who may live in London or may mm-hmm. live in Paris. We have people all over the world, but we'll find that perfect person that you can Skype with, talk on the phone with, awesome. email with. There's a lot of ways they can communicate. 
Now, you'll be uh, one of the guest speakers at the OMG Stupid Cancer Summit in April. Yes, I'm looking forward to that in New York. And yes. we'll be speaking uh, about sex and relationships and nice. fertility issues and dating and all that craziness that goes on when you're a young adult going through cancer. So I'm really, really excited to be able to open up about that and, and uh, answer questions. And I think really people who need them. I think it's good that that there are people like you because I'm kind of shy when it comes to that kind of thing. And, you know, as a survivor, we all have those questions, but I don't know if, if I'd be as brave as you to get up on a panel and talk about it. <laughs> or at least my fiancé would, probably wouldn't want me to. But Oh, congratulations. Uh, <laughs> I didn't know you were engaged. That's awesome. Yes. Congratulations. Yes, last year. Thank you. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think sex and fertility are huge issues when huge. it comes to survivorship. And, you know, the doctor, I mean, I never wanted kids, so when the doctor said that I would probably stop having my period, I, when I said, sweet, he just kind of looked at me like, oh, that's not really the response I expected, but, right. <laughs> you know, I was kind of like, I don't have to deal with that for a month. Right, right. Wipe it all out. Right, right. Wipe that stuff away. Yeah, exactly. But, I mean, like like we were talking about before the show, you know, sex and fertility are huge issues, and people are kind of, uh, I guess, just... What am I trying to say? It's it's kind of scary for them to talk about and kind of embarrassing, I guess, sometimes, too. Yeah, for some people, it's really uncomfortable, you know, mm-hmm. in the beginning to talk about it. Right. But the reality is it's real and people oh, are yes. going to be challenged by it. And, you know, um, it's like you have to get down into the granular stuff and the mm-hmm. details uh, how it works or share it in order to help people because the, the problems are real that people are going to have. You know, when you cut a testicle out, even though uh, people wonder, you know, a lot of different things, is it the same? I mean, I will tell you, everything's the same. Nothing's right. different. The only difference is you feel one instead of two. But everything else is the same. Everything now, feels let, the same. Everything. Let me ask you, since since we're on this topic, just sure. briefly, how did, like, did you tell that to one of your dates? Like, you know. Well, the funny thing about me, Mel, is because I do what I do, and I work for six of us full-time here in Chicago <laughs> with Airman Angels, and I wear the T-shirt every day. People who I know or I meet pretty much really quickly, oh, okay. they know what I do, and I'm a testicular survivor. So I am a little bit different than most people. I never really compare myself okay. because everybody sort of just knows who comes in contact with me, and I speak all the time that's you know, true. publicly, and you know, and within five minutes, everybody knows that that's what I'm dealing with, if they're going to date me, that they, they know that. Right, okay. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so that much, you know, <laughs> that much they know. But the average person, of course, really, who looks normal, I mean, the average survivor really looks normal. You wouldn't right. know unless they told you that they had Hodgkin's or they had mm-hmm. brain cancer or they had uh, testicular cancer. And so it's really up to them when or on what date number or at what point in a relationship do you open it up that right. it's... This is what's going on. And and when do you bring up even the word cancer with another young adult? Some are afraid that that person might be like, wait, that's too much to handle. You've already had cancer. Like, I can't date you. You, know, <laughs> you hate to say that, but it doesn't right. happen. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. And that people are afraid because they're like, wait, what if your cancer comes back? I, you know, I don't feel comfortable dating someone who's already had cancer. And it sounds very heartless, of course, but I it's know. real. And um, so we we just want to really, I think, sharing information, Mm -hmm. getting survivors together to talk about it, creating a panel like we're doing at OMG, asking the hard questions, giving the answers. That's going to be how we're going to make everybody 
sort of at a place of peace and know, okay, you know, I'm not alone and mm-hmm. here's some feedback and some advice when I should bring these things up in dating. Exactly. And uh, our good friend Tamika Felder from Tamika yes. and Friends will be there. And who else is on the panel with you? Sage Bolte is a social worker and she's amazing. And she specializes in sex and relationships. She's in Virginia, right across the D.C. border. Um, amazing woman, young too, and we'll talk about anything. She is no <laughs> holds barred. And, uh, and so is Tamika. You know, and, mm-hmm. and we all need to be that way. I have a feeling so, I'll be blushing a lot during that. Time. That's okay. <laughs> Ask me any questions. I'm, I'm telling you, there's nothing I won't answer. <laughs> We're wide open. Awesome. But, uh, but you need the leaders in the cancer world, like oh, yes. and Sage, mm-hmm. to be able to say, okay, here's what it is. Like, this is exactly what happens. And here's right. some tips that will help you. I mean, vaginal cancer is real. I must mm-hmm. talk to a girl with vaginal cancer, um, God, maybe last week or so. And to have, you know, a lot of the vagina cut out. I mean, that's just what happens. Wow. Um, so a lot of cervical cancers, mm-hmm. um, uterine cancer, uh, ovarian at young ages. We're seeing some young women where they have full hysterectomies and they have the uterus and the cervix cut out. And of course, there's going to be, you know, sexual issues there. Oh, yeah. Um, and they're going to have to come up with tips along the way in relationships, how to handle it. And um, But finding other people who've had the same issues Absolutely. who are farther along, who've learned and can share some tips and help. I mean, that is huge. I think it's really oh, it going to help the people out. Yeah, especially, like I said, if you feel like you're alone, whether you're in a big city like you are in Chicago or in a smaller town like me, at least if you have somebody closer to your own age that went through the same thing, you won't feel as alone. Yes, exactly right. And that's exactly. and that's the main thing because I don't know about you, but survivorship was harder for me than the actual chemo and treatment and everything. Because, you know, the hospitals, I mean, I think they're doing better, but, you know, they're still kind of like, okay, well, you're done with treatment. There you go. Yeah. Have, you, have know, you know, pat you on the back. See you later. I and, love that you brought that up. That's a really <laughs> important issue, the refraction period, mm-hmm. yes. which is that period after beating cancer. You're done with all the treatments and you're cancer-free. They pat you on the back. <laughs> and all of a sudden, you're so shaken and rattled through this yes. life-changing experience. And the next year to year and a half, sometimes longer for some mm-hmm. people, you're just trying to figure out your identity again and who you are. And you're tired or you're nauseous or you're weak or you're sleeping, you know, so many hours a day in the oh, middle yeah. of the day because you've been beaten up by the drugs. And for a woman who's gone from having, you know, hair all the way past her shoulders to no hair and being bald. That's me. Yeah. yeah. It was rough. Yeah. You know, when I rough. went back to work, I, I worked at the radio station, but I also worked at another job. And they're like, oh, my God, you look so great. And I'm like, the hell are you talking to? You know, me with my short gray hair when I never had gray hair, you know, this much gray hair before. Exactly. You know? I mean, it shakes you to your core. It I does. Mean, once that, that is so true, Mal, and I think you and I would anticipate this even if we didn't know the number, but there's an actual study in psychology that says that 94% of people post-treatment with mm-hmm. cancer, 94% of cancer survivors say it's the number one most traumatic experience of their life. Oh, Yes. And it's like, I mean, right, it makes sense, right? It's so traumatic that that year afterwards, that refraction period where you're, like, trying to rebuild and get your strength back and look normal, either lost 30 pounds or you gained 20 or 30 pounds. Mm -hmm. You're out of the gym. You're weak. You're tired. You have dark eyes. (laughs) Yes. I mean, we just don't, we don't have eyebrows. Space aliens, yeah. (laughs) Yes. You don't feel your best. You don't look your best. And then everyone's telling you, it's like, oh, you look great. It's like. 
You know, you know, you're just like, don't lie to me. What? Right, right, right. Exactly, <laughs> exactly right. And for a woman, like you said, with losing her hair, that's a bigger deal. And I'm, you know, and I'm not a vain person at all. You know, and it just, I, I and I still remember it because I, I tell survivors I will do anything for another survivor except shave my head because I still remember three years ago when my hair fell out in the shower and I was brushing it and it was coming out in clumps in my brush. Yeah. And it's just like, you know, I still think about that and I'm like, uh, you know, I mean, that was traumatic for me. So, it like is, I said, uh, I will do pretty much anything for a survivor except shave my head. Yeah. And I, <laughs> I do get that for a woman. Mm-hmm. It's a big deal. Yeah. I mean, it's part of your femininity, part of your identity. Mm-hmm. It's a me. It's a big, big deal. And I have to explain it or people stare. It's tough. It is right. definitely, definitely tough. Um, and then all the little side effects as well, like oh, yes. apathy and the fingertips. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, there's a lot of things that a lot of different cancers, uh, let's say osteosarcoma guys have had knee replacements because they've had a tumor in their knee. You know, you're not the athlete you were before. You can't mm-hmm. run marathons like you did before. I mean, that is emotionally really, really tough for someone who really loved sports before. Oh, yeah. It's just a tough period. And for me, in my mind, the best way for these young adult survivors in particular, but any age, to overcome the challenges and know that there's a brighter day ahead and that you will be back to happy again, even though you're so, um, yes. you're so flustered, mm-hmm. to reach other survivors like Absolutely. you. Yeah, you reach them, you talk to them, and you see that they're happy, and it shows you a picture of your future. And, and tell everyone how we can get a hold of you again. Yes, yes, exactly. Um, how to get a hold of us, yeah, Amberman Angels. <laughs> one-on-one peer cancer support. The best way to get us is www.immermanangels.org, which is I-M-E-R-M-A-N, angels.org. Mm-hmm. If you put in .com, we've got that, too. And if you use Immerman with two M's, we've got that, too. So wow. we, we thought about the other URLs to make sure we don't miss anyone. With chemo brain, right? Yes, chemo brain. <laughs> There's a study that shows up to 10 years chemo brain can last. I, so I have seven uh, more years to go. Is that what you're doing? Yes, you have excuse for seven more years. <laughs> I've only got about three years left of that excuse. Oh, no. And you're also, you also have a Facebook page. Yes, we do have a Facebook page as well. Uh, you can just go right to Immerman Angels, all one word. I am E-R-M-A-N, Angels. Or my personal Facebook page is Johnny Immerman, J-O-N-N-Y. I-M-E-R-M-A-N. And you can follow us on Facebook as well or Twitter. Yes. You can find us as well on Twitter. Um, but we just want to raise awareness. The number one mm-hmm. best way to help us is to help us find people that fight cancer alone because we've got the survivors who want to help, and we're looking for more survivors. Of course, always, you can send them in as well. Please call us. But raising awareness at Immerman Angels is a free one-to-one peer mentoring program anywhere in the world through the phones. You don't have to live. It doesn't matter where you live. You know, we can help anybody with cancer, um, and that's what we do. Um, spreading the word will help us reach the people that need our help. And just think, if you, if you find a cancer survivor in, say, France, how cool would that be if you go visit them? Totally, totally. <laughs> you know, we've got a lot of survivors that have done that. We hooked the survivor up to someone fighting cancer, and then after they beat it, they fly across the world or the country to go meet that person. That's These awesome. These are lifelong friendships in many situations. Oh, yes, absolutely. That's our goal. And I know you and I, Mel, both get that. Yes. But you connect two people with everything in common, and the one person mentors the other to get to the finish line. It's the greatest. It is. It is, it's absolutely. And, and I also thank the people that, well, you hear from every you know, all the survivors, but the people that may listen to the show that I don't know that will call you. I mean, that's just as important. Yes. You know. 
exactly right. Yep, just spreading the word. Spreading the word. Yep, spreading the word. We just want everyone to know we're here. Um, I think the cancer center there you mentioned before mm-hmm. off the yes. air that they have our brochures up there. You know, we'd love to stock more brochures. If anyone wants to get brochures, you can order them from our website. We'll ship them to you. You can spread them around anywhere. We just are fanatics on getting the word out so nobody <laughs> goes through this experience and has to wake up the next day after being diagnosed and think to themselves, oh, my God, I'm the only one in the world who's mm-hmm. got cancer, and I'm so alone, and I'm, and I'm terrified. Because you're not. Yeah, because you're not. Exactly. Exactly, you're not. And survivors are out there. Uh, we know 4,000. You know, soon we'll know 400,000. Yes. I can't wait till we get to that point. <laughs> we have so many. We'll have uh, our own country. Yes, we will. <laughs> You're right. Never thought about that. You're right. We could really have our own country. You and you and Matt Zachary could uh, vie for dictatorship. That's right. right. I think I'll let him run it. He's uh, he's pretty good. He's more articulate than I am. <laughs> oh, you're awesome! Awesome. Well, thank you. Oh, thanks. Thank you. thank you, Johnny, for joining us today. I'm going to wrap up like I usually do. This is the Cancer Warrior. You can always find me on Facebook because I am a Facebook junkie. The Cancer Warrior on EmpowerRadio.com or my personal page, Mel Majoros. Check out my new website website thecancerwarrior.net and as always life looks pretty good from where i'm sitting sending you good vibes it's the cancer warrior on empowerradio.com